Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Welcome, everyone, to Real Presence Live. My name is Tim Moser, your host today, coming at you from the beautiful downtown Fargo here at the Meadowlark Building, the mothership of Real Presence Radio. A little quiet when I came in. Matter of fact, the only person, I guess I saw Jessica in the door, then I saw Eli, and it was just just kind of quiet, Eli. Like, I thought maybe everyone was taking a little break after the live drive last week. Exactly. That's one. Hey, we've got a great show planned for you today. Up first is Father Tad Paholchuk. He's, uh, of course, most of you know him, uh, very, very great in the bioethics field. He runs the education there at the National Catholic Bioethics Center. And he's actually going to be coming to Fargo here in just a couple of weeks. And uh, we'll talk about that. We also have a group of post-abortive ladies who are going to share their stories you know, the real stories of what happens to, to women and men, everyone, right, who's associated in any way with abortion. And let's face it, we're all one human family, so it affects all of us. They're going to be here to share their stories. And we have a couple other guests as well. But as always, let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Gracious and loving God. We thank you for all the gifts you give us, the gift of life, the gift of your Son, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Church, and the sacraments. All these ways you give us grace. Pour down your grace upon us, Lord. We need it more than ever. Help us to see the truth of life made in your image and likeness. And in this ever-changing world of technologies, help us to understand what is truly at the service of the human person and what is not. We ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and put it at the feet of our Blessed Mother as we pray for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of love and life, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome again to Real Presence Live. Again, my name is Tim Moser here at the Fargo studio. Would like to join Father Tad Paholchuk. Welcome, Father Tad. Ken, thank you for having me on. Great to be with you my, this morning. My pleasure. Am, am I saying your last name right there, Father? You got it right. Wow, that's good. I'd like you uh, come from a Polish background. <laughs> well, I, I, t- I have a lot of Polish friends, which is awesome. And of course, you know, the church has such a great legacy, you know, there in Poland. Of course, you know, St. John Paul II coming out of there, too. We should also say, I, I just thought of this now, Father, too. We call you Father Tad, of course, but your official first name, why don't you share that with our listeners? Yeah, it's uh, Tadeusz, which uh, is just the uh, Polish form, if you will, of Thaddeus or Ted. 
Uh, so, wonderful. That's great. That's wonderful. Father, thanks so much for being on. I'm so excited about you coming here in a couple of weeks to Fargo. We'll get to that a little later, but just the buzz around the office is, Father Tad's coming, Father Tad's coming. So it, it's really great to hear. So we're excited. But what some of our listeners might not know uh, a lot about you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Father, and how you got to come to the NCBC, the National Catholic Bioethics Center? Uh, well, I... Um I discerned a vocation to become a priest when I was around uh, 17, and uh, also then subsequently realized that I needed to study science, Mm -hmm. and kind of wasn't totally clear to me why the Lord wanted me to do that, but, you know, I kind of committed to that, went uh, pretty far down the path of studying science, uh, got a doctorate in neuroscience from Yale, and did some postdoctoral work uh, in um, neurochemistry, really, in uh, at the Massachusetts General Hospital at Harvard. And then uh, I went full-time to the seminary, went over to Rome, and became a priest. And while I was in Rome, with that kind of background of neuroscience, it made a lot of sense for me to move in the direction of bioethics. So I studied bioethics in Rome fairly intensely, then came back to the U.S., and actually the very same day that I came back to the U.S., I had already been asked to give a talk uh, dealing with abortion in my home diocese, and I did that, and then there was somebody there from Boston who she said to me, oh, you have a science background, right? And I said, yeah. She said, we're looking for somebody to address this new issue, this hot new issue of stem cell research. Could you do a talk on that? And I said, oh, yeah, I'd be happy to. You know, that fits right in with my research background. And I studied bioethics. You know, recently I'd be glad to do that for you. So she had me come up to Boston, speak in one of the large hospitals there. And that was sort of the beginning of everything. I mean, at that point, there were several people in the audience who said, hey, that talk was really good. Would you be willing to come to my parish and speak? Would you be willing to come and speak at my college. And so pretty soon I was on the road, you know, almost full-time giving talks all around the country. And that's when I ran into uh, Dr. John Haas, who was our former president at the National Catholic Bioethics Center. He called me up one day and he said, you know, I've I've heard about you. And I said, well, I've really heard about you. Because, of course, John Haas is incredibly, you know, well-known, one of the premier, really, ethicists uh, today. And so he said, well, let's get together and have lunch. And so we did that, and at the end of it, he said, you know, would you be willing to consider joining the National Catholic Bioethics Center? And I said, I'd be happy to, but you just have to ask my bishop, because I'm under obedience, and whatever he says is, you know, the the rule of life for me. Mm-hmm. So um, that all worked out, and I've been with the National Catholic Bioethics Center now for, well, let's see, since 2003, So I guess that's about, uh, what, 18 years, something like that. And um, so it's been wonderful. I I work in specifically the field of education. I focus on that. I have a certification program that together with Dr. Haas, we initially set up, and we have graduated more than 1,000 students from that program. I also still travel and speak quite a bit, and as you mentioned, I'll be up in the Fargo area soon. Looking forward to that a great deal. And, you know, just as you might uh, surmise, one of the big topics now 
involves vaccines. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we're probably going to touch on that a little bit during the interview, but that's taking up a lot of our time and interest now. As you can imagine, the issue I mentioned originally of stem cells, that has not been such a big issue anymore. Uh, it's something that people have become familiar with. Uh, and so, you know, it's not uh, on people's radar to the same extent that the vaccines are today. We're talking with Father Tad Paholchuk from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Um, you, you mentioned the NCBC certification. We'll talk about that a little later, too. I'm actually going through that right now, and I can just tell you, listeners, it's excellent. It's a very systematized way to, uh, to look at these issues and gives you great principles. And then we have very, very practical assignments, too, where we look at a certain case and what are the, what are the, what are the difficulties, you know, what, what are the dangers, what are the challenges. And it's just been amazing to do that. So my, my hat's off to you, Father Tad, you and, and the NCBC. You've got a great program there, and I would highly recommend it to anyone who is interested in this field at all. Well, thank you so much uh, for that shout-out for the program. Yeah, we really, we originally set it up to help people who might be asked to sit on an ethics committee Mm -hmm. to kind of give a foundation for that and to give them the basics of Catholic bioethics. It's not a doctorate, doctoral level program. It's not a master's program. It is a certification, but it's something that people who are even busy, you know, with a regular job, if they have three to four hours a week uh, to fit in, they can do the program and, uh, you know, should be able to profit greatly from it. You know, one of the things I like, I, was, I said we we're going to talk about it later. Hey, we'll talk about it now. <laughs> the, the, <laughs> one of the things I really, really appreciated is, you know, I knew about, we call them the urge, right? The ethical religious directives, but it really goes into that. You go systematically through them and maybe talk just quickly about the urge and why they're so important. Yes, the ERDs. Well, I mean, this is such an important document a lot of people who work in healthcare are not aware that this document even exists. There's a free downloadable PDF version of it available at USCCB, uh, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, USCCB.org. And this document is kind of a synopsis about the basics of Catholic bioethics, what things are permissible, what things raise significant moral concerns, uh, you know, what are some pastoral issues that are of importance for those who are providing health care today, etc. Really a great document, and as you mentioned, our program begins with this, and throughout the program, it continues to refer back to this, uh, this very, very basic document. You know, I found myself, as we were going through these case studies, you know, you give us a situation, just continually going back there, oh, here's a basic principle that we've learned from the ERDs, and it applies right here, you know, so applying those principles, which was, it, it is just very, very helpful for me, because now when I go up, people want to to know, you know, about all these issues, especially, especially end of life, you know, beginning of life, and you've got them right there. Now, the USCCB has done it, we've studied it, you've taken us through it systematically, and it really helps. In addition to that, uh, Father, maybe just touch briefly, if someone does want to go a little further, like you said, it's just a certification, but you can get graduate qu- credit towards a, de- uh, a degree at a couple of universities, right? That's correct. You can actually get graduate credit and work towards the completion of a master's degree, and that's available either through Holy Apostles College in Cromwell, Connecticut, uh, or through the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. 
And we have uh, now what are really long-standing relationships with both of those institutions. And this has proven to be, you know, very successful. And many of the students who go through that subsequent step of getting the master's degree, uh, you know, are really very well equipped to then move on and contribute significantly uh, in the arena of Catholic health care or health care ethics more broadly. Uh, so it's an excellent opportunity for people to hone their expertise even further after completing our certification program. Absolutely. Talking with Father Tad Paholchuk here from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. After the break, we got a couple minutes, but after the break, we'll talk about some of the hot button issues. As, as we mentioned, the stem cells was big, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Just maybe quickly talk about uh, the services that the NCBC provides uh, for, you know, parishers or someone like me, uh, a director, a respect life director uh, for a diocese. Well, we have a free consultation service, which I think you're alluding exactly. to, which is... Yeah, such a valuable uh, resource. People can call, they can email us. We have a different emphasis on duty each day, and we will get back to you, uh, you know, as soon as we can. Uh, you, typically, if you call in, you leave a message in voicemail, which we then review and call you back. Uh, or if you ask us to reply by email, we do it that way. We help people navigate the complicated waters of many different areas of bioethics. You know, they may be experiencing infertility and wondering you know, what is allowable. Uh, can we do this or that procedure, maybe an end-of-life situation, and wondering, do we have to put my dad onto a ventilator? Maybe a question about vaccine mandates. Mm -hmm. uh, what kind of resources are out there for me to uh, request a conscience exemption, for example, et cetera, et cetera. So we do uh, several thousand of these free consultations each year. And as you mentioned, right now, very, very, very busy. You know, Father Tad, you mentioned a little earlier the whole stem cells thing. And if we can just maybe just summarize. You know, we're obviously against embryonic stem cells, anything where a human being is is killed or, or put in danger in any way. But there's so many great uses for, like, adult stem cells, umbilical cord. Maybe just briefly tell us in a minute the great uh, prospect for appropriate use of stem cells. Yes, well, I think some of those alternatives, as you mentioned, include adult stem cells. There's also another important category uh, that involves something called induced pluripotent stem cells. And with that, you take a skin cell, a plain old boring garden variety skin cell, force some genes into it, and trigger it to kind of go backwards developmentally and become more primitive, more powerful, and actually turn that skin cell into a stem cell. And this, of course, does not require the use of human embryos mm -hmm. and represents a very viable alternative to getting a very flexible form of uh, a stem cell. So there are alternatives, and I think it's important to just remind people that we obviously do not want to promote any kind of science that relies on the destruction of fellow human beings who are very, very young in order to accrue benefits for ourselves, like health benefits. Uh, that's really a, a, almost a type of cannibalism. It's a, it's a terrible proposal that scientists have been willing to go down that path and destroy young humans in order to get spare parts and cells. In fact, strip mining... Yeah those young human beings for desired cells and parts. We need to be pushing back against that very vigorously. And unfortunately, this administration 
you know, has a has has a, a very unacceptable approach in this direction. The previous administration was seeking to roll back some of this activity, including, you know, using cells and tissues that are derived directly from abortions, which is another area of concern that when corpses result from an abortion, then some scientists are allowed to come to the clinic and raid those those fetal bodies, those young bodies, in order to procure cells. And, of course, there's a serious problem of lack of informed consent here yeah. uh, that's going on when scientists do that. So true. We're talking with Father Tad Paholchuk. As you can tell, he's very informed and very articulate. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's what was big back then, and we're still deal- dealing with it now. But after the break, we're going to talk about some more hot-button issues that he's addressing. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be back right after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, Executive Director at Riverview Place Senior Living Community in Fargo. For over 35 years, we've been honored to nourish our residents in mind, body, and spirit. We offer a full calendar of activities, events, and faith-based programming, and the best food in town. Our independent and assisted living residents thrive in our warm, comfortable, and compassionate community. We'd love to meet you. Call Marin or Katie today at 701-237-4700 to line up a tour. If there is a merciful God, how can he allow such suffering? I'm Father Chris Alar. God took his greatest risk in giving you his greatest gift, free will. He risks that you may choose not to love him and to hurt your neighbor. But even then, God wants to bring a greater good out of evil. There is no worse evil than a creature nailing his creator to a tree. Yet God brought a greater good from it, your redemption. God doesn't want you to suffer, but he allows it. Why? Because your suffering can also be redemptive when you share in the cross of Christ. It is not easy, but when you learn how, it changes everything. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation, the University of Mary. Of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide, Mary is ranked number one by the National Benchmarking Service Mountain Measurement. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And eligible nursing students receive their senior year of tuition free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation. Check us out at umary.edu nursing. That's umary.edu nursing. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live here on Wednesday morning, September the 22nd, first day of the 40 Days for Life campaign, by the way. Many, many places across the world are doing this in support of life. And speaking about being in support of life, we have a wonderful bioethicist with us this morning, Father Tad Paholchuk. Welcome back, Father. 
Thank you so much, Tim. I'm delighted to be with you and to do the second segment as well. Wonderful. I'm going to just pitch your event here just in case someone's going to have to, you know, won't get to listen to the whole thing. Father Tad will be coming here to Fargo, North Dakota. He'll be giving a Saturday morning workshop on uh, October 9th. So Saturday, October 9th at the Cathedral of St. Mary's. He's going to be addressing uh, vaccine issues and their morality, and also uh, end-of-life issues. Those two things he's going to address specifically. He's an expert in both. There's no charge. You don't have to register. There will be mass beforehand. So it's a great, great event. Mark your calendars, October 9th, at the Cathedral of St. Mary's in Fargo. That morning, Father Tad will be here in person, and we're looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Father, before the break, uh, we'd mentioned that when you first started in this, you know, 15, 20 years ago, stem cells was kind of the big issue, and you summarized that very, very well. But as we know, and as you know better than I, this field of bioethics is rapidly, rapidly changing because of the technologies. Why don't you share with our listeners maybe one or two of the hot-button issues now and how we should look at them and address them? Yes, I'd be happy to. And, you know, maybe even before stepping right into some of those specific issues, let me just mention a couple of resources that your listeners may be interested in. Sure. One would be the website of the National Catholic Bioethics Center, which is ncbcenter.org. And the other would be uh, my own website, which is fathertad.com. There's a, you know, a panoply of resources available at both of those websites. Uh, dealing with uh, some of the areas that we'll be discussing here. Say, Father, so, is, uh, is, is, is it oh, F-R-T-A-D or spell out Father Tad? No, it's spelled out. Father, it. F-A-T-H-E-R-T-A-D dot com. Got yes, it. Perfect. good question. All right. Yeah, so, um, I mean, one of the areas that I think is really on everybody's minds today is with regards to the vaccines that are out there, questions about safety, questions about efficacy, questions about mandates, and we at the National Catholic Bioethics Center are working with this all the time. Our consultation service, I would say, you know, recently in the past few months has been probably 80% at least dealing with vaccine-related questions. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a sense of, of you know, how, how much this is on people's mind because, of course, COVID-19 right. is very much uh, on our minds as well. So uh, we've been pointing out in most uh, some of our most recent statements the importance of respect for conscience rights. And this means that individuals need to be able to make their own informed health care decisions. And mandates, what mandates do, unfortunately, is they kind of presuppose a one-size-fits-all that, you know, there's only one answer here, which is that everybody has to get vaccinated, that it's an automatic guarantee. That's a presupposition that it automatically guarantees that we're going to be healthy or we're not going to be able to transmit uh, the virus to co-workers, that kind of thing. And, of course, we're very early, really speaking in with the kind of broad view early in this pandemic, uh, in the sense that Vaccines typically take a long time to develop and test. Things were sped up greatly around the COVID vaccine, uh, but we don't have all of the data yet. And there is, in fact, recent data which indicates that even if individuals have been vaccinated, fully vaccinated, uh, a couple of things. One is that 
they are still capable of transmitting the virus. And this is referred to as asymptomatic transmission. So you say to yourself, okay, a fully vaccinated person can still transmit it. So uh, what's the idea behind the mandate then that we're forcing people on the assumption that once you get vaccinated, you cannot infect your coworker? Well, that assumption remains uh, still dubious at this point and problematic. There's the other problem, which is uh, also of great interest, especially today, which is the new variant that we're dealing with, the Delta variant. Uh, It appears that the typical uh, two doses of vaccines, of mRNA vaccines, are only able to tamp this down in a limited way so that it's still possible for people to become sick with the Delta variant and to transmit it as well, even if they're fully vaccinated. So the notion that a mandate is kind of a one-size-fits-all, a kind of silver bullet that will solve all of our problems is an oversimplification and fails to recognize the nuances of the science itself. And so it's important, you know, just in light of those kinds of considerations to recognize that people need to be able to make their own assessments about whether to be vaccinated or not. And there will be certain circumstances, sometimes medically indicated, somebody may have an immune system that doesn't handle vaccination well, etc. And there needs to be appropriate recognition of conscience rights here. And this is true when we talk about any type of intervention, when we talk about end-of-life decisions, about whether somebody should have a particular surgery, for example. Again, we wouldn't have a mandate for a particular surgery. We would say, no, what's important here is that the individual get well-informed about whether the surgery makes sense, could provide benefits, whether the benefit-to-burden ratio is high enough to merit the difficulties of going through the surgery. So it's similar for vaccines. Now, you know, even as I say this, I want to point out that vaccines in general, have been a very great blessing to mankind. They are, you know, remarkable how they have improved public health over the decades. But we're at a point here early in this vaccine cycle where we need more data and a sense of caution and a sense of paying attention to the data is very, very critical. So, for example, young people, we hear about mandates where everybody going to college is expected to get vaccinated And when one recognizes that the risks to young people from COVID-19 are very, very low, uh, you know, incredibly low statistically, it makes you scratch your head and say, now, wait a minute, why are we doing this? Why are we mandating that college age or high school or even younger than high school Mm -hmm. age students be vaccinated? So, again, this needs to be case by case. Now, you might have some college student who, for example, is massively obese and is struggling with diabetes. Now, that college student, it indeed might make sense. But here you can see why there's a need for individualized discernment based on the particular conditions of uh, the particular patient. So that's something we've been working with quite a bit at the center lately, trying to help people to think through those scientific issues as well as the ethical issues in terms of vaccine mandates.
We're talking with Father Tad Paholchuk from the National Catholic Bioethics Center. Now, if I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, Father, but if I understand, you just talked about you know someone with some underlying conditions or some comorbidities, if you will, things that put them at a higher risk, not if they catch COVID, to maybe have some adverse um, medical and physical um, in manifestations here. And so if I'm understanding right, one of the things the vaccine seems to do fairly well is for those who do get it, their symptoms generally aren't quite as severe. Is that correct? That is correct. And the likelihood of hospitalization also goes down. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely a benefit, uh, especially if you are in a somewhat higher risk group like the elderly, uh, the obese, those with diabetes, those with other comorbidities. Uh, there is a clear likelihood of significant benefit from vaccination. So, uh, again, it really makes sense to evaluate this in light of individualized circumstances. So true. Father Tad, you have such a gift of taking these complex issues and putting them in very simple, easy-to-understand ways, and we certainly appreciate it. Again, Father Tad will be at the Cathedral of St. Mary's in Fargo, North Dakota, Saturday, October 9th. There'll be Mass at 8 in the morning, and then he'll give two talks in the morning. We're done at 11.30, and talking about the vaccines and talking about end-of-life issues. As you can see, he's an expert on both. He's very easy to understand, and we certainly appreciate that. And we're looking forward to having you here, Father. Thank you so much for being Well, thank you so much, Tim. Really, it was a great pleasure to be able to join you, and I look forward to uh, seeing you up in Fargo soon. That sounds great. And it's not going to be the dead of winter either, Father, so it'll be kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm glad we'll avoid all the snow drifts. <laughs> exactly. Right. Thanks so much. Father Tapa Holchuk. All right. When we come back, we'll continue our discussion that we have frequently here on post-abortive healing and why it's so important. You're listening to Real Presence Live, and we'll be back right after this. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 